Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. And then he says, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting. In regard, it says, to himself alone, and not in regard to another. These guys, well, Paul had recognized, they had, they had this bragging going on, but it wasn't in regard to what God was doing in their lives. It was, it was what they were forcing others to do in their spiritual circle. In fact, I'm going to read ahead just so I can read to you the end of the chapter, but I reserve the right to come back next week. I'm just, I'm just going to pass through so you get it in context. But I want to show you this. He says, For each one of us will bear his own burden, his own load. Now the one who is taught the word, he said, is to share all good things with him who teaches him. And do not be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this he shall reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. This is a part where we need to hang in there. Why does the Bible say don't grow weary? Because we do. Don't judge one another. Why does it say that? Because we do. These things that tell us what not to do are there because, well, we do them. But I love the Bible because the Bible isn't a bunch of don't do, don't do, don't do. It tells you what not to do and gives you what to do. And, and those of you that have grown up with negative people around you, they're always telling you what not to do. They can wear you out. That's why I love the scripture. It, it points out what not to do, but it gives you the answer what to do, the, 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 the actual cure to that problem so that you're not stuck in it. Well, here, he says, so then while we have opportunity, what should we do? Let us do good to all people, especially to those that are of the household of faith. And he said, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Paul, you guys might remember from another passage in the scripture said he he bore them witness that they would have plucked out their own eyes and given them to him because he had such trouble seeing. So at the end of this letter, he's, he usually dictated his, his epistles. One of the other guys was writing the things down, but here he's picked up the pen himself and he's saying, look, I'm writing to you with my own hand. And those that desire to make a good showing in the flesh, will they try to compel you to be circumcised simply that they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they might boast in your flesh. In other words, they want to see you do the spiritual requirements, even if they don't do it. And that was the Jewish way. Let's get those guys to follow the rules, but we don't even do it. Well, now Paul says, but may it never be these guys want to boast in your flesh, but may it never be that I would boast in your flesh. Instead, he says, except that I would boast in one thing. What does he say he would boast in? I would boast in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me 
and I to the world. If I'm going to boast about anything, Paul says, it's going to be the cross of Jesus. Now, interestingly enough, to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians, Paul actually wrote that boasting is necessary, but he said it's not always profitable. It is part of the, the necessity of sharing that we actually boast. But, but Paul, he had recognized that there's a lot of men that want to boast in themselves and in their own accomplishments. And they don't boast, like he said, in the cross of Christ. And so if you would turn with me, let me show you this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul had learned some things about this boasting. I think maybe he had boasted about some things and it backfired. This is my guess. I'm going to ask him when I get to heaven. But from, from the, what is contained in the writings of the scriptures, it's pretty obvious he had some uh, refining in this area. Because he wrote in first, or 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he said in verse 30, If I have to boast, I will boast in what pertains to my weakness. What? I, I, who boasts in their weakness? Yeah, I'm weak. Bragging. I'm weak. I'm weak. <laughs> I don't know how boast. I didn't learn boasting like that. We were always boasting in, in our strengths. You know, I can do this or I can do that. I mean, as a young man, that was the that was the whole thing. You get around other young men and it's, well, I can do this trick on the skateboard. Well, I can do it better. And, oh, watch me. And, you know, you never said, well, I can't do it. I'm terrible. I boast in my weakness. That, uh, what? They would have looked at you like, you're a loser. <laughs> but Paul, I want you to pay attention. This is probably one of the coolest things. If you have to remember, if you're reading something in the Bible and you're perplexed, don't quit. Too many people have picked up the book, read a verse and got perplexed and then set it down and went, it's too confusing. And I tell them, wait, you didn't read it in context. You didn't even, you only read one verse. You can't do that. You can't just pluck it out of the middle of the, of the passage it's in. You, you want 2020 spiritual vision? I tell the kids, go back up 20 verses and read ahead 20 verses and you'll get a, a really good overview of how what's the context it's being written and paul paul had well if you back up 20 verses he's talking about how he had served the lord and and gone through some great persecutions for what he had done in christ and he and he he explains that there are people that were deceiving the christians and he said in verse 16 i'll just back up this is only 14 verses, but I had need to go farther the other way today to show you something. He said, again, let no one think me foolish, but if you do, receive me even as foolish, so that I might boast a little. Now, here's his boasting. What I'm saying is, I'm not saying as the Lord would, but as in foolishness, in this confidence of boasting, since many boast according to the flesh. He said, I'll boast also. For if you, being so wise, tolerate the foolish gladly, and, and you tolerate it if, if anyone enslaves you or anyone devours you or anyone takes advantage of you or anyone exalts himself and anyone hits you in the face. He said, to my shame, I must say that I've been weak by comparison. But in whatever respect anyone else is bold, I speak in foolishness. He said, I am just as bold myself. Verse 22, he says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? 
So am I. Everything these guys, you know, would boast about back then in the Jewish culture. Check, check, check. He he fit the bill. He said, and are they servants of Christ? He said, I speak as if insane. I more so. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. He said, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. We're going to beat you within one lash of killing you and leave you alive to feel the pain. He had received that five times. Then he goes on and says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Then Remember that, that incident? They stoned him to death. Well, they thought he was dead. I, I believe he actually was. They threw him over the wall, it says, into the city dump. And the Spirit of the Lord told him, get up. You're not done. I mean, poor guy. <laughs> they took a rough day. They beat you to death, throw you into the trash heap, it was called. And the Lord goes, Sorry, Paul, you don't get that you didn't get out of there that easy. Get up. And he got he continues on. Three times he says, I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. Now listen, I've been out deep sea fishing at night here, spent the whole night out there, eight miles away from shore. It's pitch black. There's not any lights. The light that you see is from putting it overboard with our little float light that we had. And all of these interesting critters come out at night that it's spooky. I mean, we had we had killer whales visit us in the night, rub up against the boat. And uh, and they're they're not that big. The pilot whales are much smaller than the one you just saw jumping, but they are big enough that they rub your your 30 foot boat and it. You know, they're bigger than the boat. So they have no trouble when they rub you uh, up against it, just tilts your whole boat. You can see that they could easily capsize you. And I'm thinking this guy was out there shipwrecked. I'm in the boat. I'm okay. I'm at least, you know, hanging on inside. But but floating around in the water with no lights, no some... Did they have underwater flashlights back then? You know, I've done night dives with the manta rays and and, you know, but I got this mega light. I mean, big. These, he's out there in the dark with creepy stuff all around. Squid, if you've ever seen how fast a squid is when they come zipping in. He's out there a night and a day shipwrecked. He says, I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, danger from Gentiles. Dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, and dangers amongst, oh, he put this one in the list. Amongst what? False brethren. They're the most dangerous, I think. He said, I've labored in hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food and in cold exposure. Apart from such external things, there's the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. He said, who is weak without me being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? This is the heart of a pastor. He cared if somebody was being led astray, he was intensely concerned for them. He said, if I have to boast, verse 30, this is the verse I just started with, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. The God and the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows 
that I am not lying. He said, in Damascus, the Eratos, the, the king, was guarding the city of the D Damascenes in order to seize me. And I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall so that I escaped his hands. He said, boasting is, the, oh, I'm sorry, this is chapter 12, verse 1. Boasting is necessary, though it is not always profitable. But I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I'm going to boast. Let me tell you about a revelation about the Lord. He says, I know a man who 14 years ago, whether he was in the body, I do not know, or if he was out of the body, I do not know. God knows. He says, but such a man was caught up to the third heaven. Now, remember in their culture, the first heaven is what we call our atmosphere. The second heaven is what we call our galaxy, the stars. And the third heaven, as it's referred to in Hebrew, is the throne of God, where God lives, where he dwells. Now, some people say, well, but how far away is God's throne from, like, is it in our atmosphere or is it in the stars? Is it? Well, when Jesus, in the book of Acts, he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Do you remember the guys were standing there watching and the angels, it says the sky opened. I'm not so sure that the third heaven is real far away because it says that the sky opened and Jesus ascended to the Father. And the men, those guys were the apostles, the A-team, they stood there going with their mouths open, gum showing and everything. They're like, oh. and the angel said, why do you stand gawking? Don't you know this Jesus, what you have just seen going this way to the, to the Father, will return in like manner. And when we read in the book of Revelation, it says the sky will rent. Like a, I tell the kids, like a, a curtain peeling back. And then we'll see him coming with his myriads of saints, thousands upon thousands, on flying horses coming back to this earth. I, I go, his first coming, it was humble. A baby born in a manger, laid in a manger. But his second coming, we read about that. By the way, if you didn't know this, a lot of Jews believe that Christ will come. They just don't like the first coming descriptions in their scriptures. They like the second coming. They want the guy who's going to come in power and deliver. That guy they're into. They're really like, oh, we're in for him. But if their heart's not right with him, they're going to be shocked. So Paul says, I know of a guy who got caught up into the third heaven. And he says, I, I actually don't know whether he was in his body or out of his body. It was just the experience was so, he, was, he got to see, well, it says, he was caught into paradise, verse four says, and heard inexpressible words, which a man is not permitted to speak. He said, on behalf of such a man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except in regard to my weaknesses. For if I do wish to boast, he says, I would not be foolish, for I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain from this so that no one will credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. Because, he says, of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. How many of you heard of the Paul's thorn in the flesh? He says, I had this thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, he says, I employed the Lord three times that it might leave me. 
But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ might dwell with me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distress, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, how can he make such a claim? When I am weak, he said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Why is he able to say I am strong? Whose strength is he relying on? Jesus. When he is weak, in his weakest state, when you're weak, that's when you're strong. That's when the Holy Ghost takes over and it's not you. And Paul, Paul came to understand this truth that when he was weak, that's when the Lord's strength came through. That's when the Lord did these mighty things. And when people tried to credit it to him, he's like, look, it wasn't me. I'm messed up. I'm weak. If you if you got anything good out of that, praise the Lord. It's all the credit goes to him because I it wasn't me. My tank was empty. Now Paul had to learn this. In fact, some people suspect that the guy he's talking about that had the vision 14 years earlier that he talks about in third person. I don't know whether the fella had was in his body or out of his body, but he did get to be caught up to see things in paradise and stuff he can't even ex. Well, the word in Greek is, it's inexpressible. It's it's not even able to be put into words. He's all brag about that guy. Because that's pretty cool. He says, but the problem was, he said, because of the surpassing revelations that he received, he said there was a, a thorn given to him in the flesh, a messenger of Satan that would buffet him to keep him humble. And this is where it's really interesting. I know this really messes with some people's heads. They, they, they're like, that just doesn't compute. You mean he asked God three times to remove the thorn? And I mean, Satan is hassling him. Why wouldn't God remove that thorn? Because there's something about a man that sometimes God has to keep him humble to make him truly useful. And the Lord, in humbling Paul, he said, even, even just the name change for this fellow. He used to be called Saul, Saul of Tarsus. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Saul in Hebrew is a very desirable name. It actually means desirable. For If you named a young man Saul, you're saying in today's vernacular, GQ, handsome, like really desire. You're, you're setting this kid up for a really good, healthy self-esteem. And that's the name he, he was given his whole life. I'm Saul. Man, I got it together. But when the Lord had a little meeting with him on the road there, on the way to Damascus, when he had that letter in hand and was out to kill the Christians, and the Lord packed him. He, he, the Lord gib-slapped Paul. His Saul was his name at the time. He smacked him, and it says, and, and blinded him for three days. And for those three days... Well, he began with, Saul, Saul, why dost thou persecuteth me? It says that he, the Lord, appeared as a light brighter than the sun at high noon. Paul, or Saul, was blinded. 
and he would then be led by the hand blind into town where for the next three days he gets personal, personal seminary notes from Jesus. Jesus told him how much he was going to suffer now for, for the name of the Lord. For those of you that have been taught a gospel where come to Jesus, everything will be perfect. You'll have no, life will be a bed of roses with no thorns. Let me tell you that is a false gospel. In John 14, Jesus said, in this world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, he says, I have overcome the world. Jesus started off Saul's journey of faith with three days of intense seminary from Jesus himself saying, listen, buddy, you've been killing Christians. You've been arresting them. You've been having them beaten. You've been doing all this bad stuff. Guess what you're going to endure? <laughs> Remember, don't judge lest you be judged. God is fair in everything. This guy's intro to Jesus was, you're going to suffer, buddy. Jesus was hitting him right where he was at. You know, like, hey, you're too full of yourself. We got, and, and you're too full of boasting about yourself. We're going to fix that. We're going to show you that when you're weak, that's when you're really strong. When you don't have the strength, maybe he was about to drown out there in the, in the depths of the sea during the night. And he's going under, and the Lord, right in that last gasp of breath, brought him back up. When he'd thrown over the wall, having been stoned, th throwing rocks at his head. I can't imagine. You, you wake up in the garbage heap, and you got just big old lumps all over from guys throwing rocks at you, killing you. And not, not only that, just chucking you over the wall <laughs> into the garbage heap. And the Lord goes, not done. Get up. <laughs> At some point in your Christian experience, you're going to come to a trial that plays out every bit of strength you have. It'll bring you to your knees. You'll be like, I have nothing left. And maybe you're facing something bigger than you've ever faced, but let me suggest this to you. You will never face something in your Christian experience that will be greater a greater test of faith than the sum of the things the Lord has already brought you through. I, I want to teach you this. This is why I think it's so important to remember and recall the things what the Lord has done in our lives. This is why I think boasting in the Lord is good. Because when, when I hear someone truly, when I say boasting, I mean they're just praising God. Thank God, God did this miracle for us. We were hurting and he came through with this. Or, or, the, or the brother that was homeless that said, I needed a shirt. And then this blonde lady came and just had a shirt my size. You know, how did she know? If you just take all of the times that God has come through for you, maybe keep a little journal of those miraculous things. And when you begin to face a really big trial in your life, go back and read those things. And you add all those things together. And you go, now what was it I'm facing? Because it will never, I'm just, just, just from experience. Remember, Dave, the reason I say this, because I read this in the Bible. David said, I'm not worried about this Philistine. 
God already delivered me from the lion and from the bear. When they came after my flock, remember, he's a shepherd. When I was out there taking care of my sheep, I had to face the lion and the bear, and God let me take them out. And this Philistine will be just like one of them. He had confidence because God had, he just added. Faced the lion, took care of him. Faced a bear, took care of him. One lion plus one bear bigger than one Philistine. Now you think I'm kooky just telling you, but I need to tell you this because you, I'm not going to tell you some false gospel that you're going to have it easy in this life. But I will tell you that God will be faithful no matter what you face. Always faithful. And he will even when you're weak, even in your worst weakness, remember, you can boast not that you're strong, but that who will help you in that weak moment? Who will give you the strength? See, this is the part that the gospel really shines in, that we need to share with our friends that are hurting. Listen, even in our weakest time, God, that's when we feel his real touch of his power. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.